We are in the midst of studying the book of Acts. We are in chapter 8, and uh, we are going to talk today about sharing Jesus. Let's pray before we begin. Father God, we know that you have given us a purpose, not just to get to heaven one day, but to live here on earth for now as your witnesses, as those who tell others about your great love. So thank you, first of all, for using someone else in our life to bring us this knowledge of Jesus. Thank you that we had ears that opened up and heard the spiritual message that you brought to us. Maybe it was through a friend or through our parents or grandparents or through a teacher or through someone we worked with. But, Lord, one day we heard the message and we knew it was for us. And we began that relationship with our Heavenly Father through faith in Jesus Christ. We know that you want us then to go, therefore, and to make more disciples, to share this news with others. And you have sent your Holy Spirit to the church to empower us to do that. Help us to not only hear the message, but to be able to go out and do the message according to your purposes and your plans for our lives. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to turn in your Bibles, if you don't have one, there's one there in the pew, and you would be on page 1086 in the Blue Bible, if that's what's in front of you. We're going to look at how Philip, one of the early believers, shared Jesus here in Acts chapter 8. This is recorded for us by the Holy Spirit. And has been preserved for us for this day. This isn't just a history lesson about something that happened a long time ago. This is something that God wants us to know. So that in this day and in the days ahead of our lives, we can follow this example. You see, Philip introduces an Ethiopian eunuch to Jesus. An Ethiopian eunuch is someone very different from Philip. Different in many ways. He's from a different part of the world. He's from a different race of people. And yet God is able to bridge that gap and bring the good news to not only this one man, but then to the nation and the people that he would influence as he goes on his way. Now, the thing that you need to know is that Philip is not one of the apostles. He's not one of the people who walked with Jesus. He is a convert to Christianity. He heard the message of Jesus in Jerusalem, and he gave his life to Jesus. Philip was not a missionary. This is not his career. This is not something that he chose to be trained in, to go out into the world. He just went as a convert. He's not a pastor. He didn't go to seminary. He didn't learn all kinds of theology and doctrine. He's a believer in Jesus Christ, like you and like me. Philip was a deacon, if we can use that term, but he was a servant in his church. He's one of those people that in Acts chapter 6, they needed to help with the work of the church because there were so many needs. They needed people to help to fulfill those needs. And so Philip was one of the people who was chosen to do that. He serves in his church. The thing that makes Philip 
effective in sharing his faith is the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the message of the book of Acts. It's not about Philip. He's a man like you and like me. It's about the spirit of God in Philip, using Philip to bring life and to bring hope to people that he doesn't even know. Complete strangers. But he is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And God is not a stranger to any man or any woman who exists or ever existed. Every time we see Philip in the Bible, it seems that he's sharing his faith. In fact, right before the main text that we have here in chapter 8, if we go back to the beginning of it, we find that Philip is preaching to crowds of people in Samaria. Samaria is an area right next to Israel, right next to Jerusalem. They weren't pure Jews. They were Samaritans. They were sort of a mixture of people that lived in that nation. And he was having a very effective ministry there. If we read back at the very beginning of chapter 8, verse 4, it says, Those who were scattered, now Philip was one of them, preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he proclaimed Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs that he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in the city. So that's what Philip's been doing since the persecution sort of forced him out of Jerusalem, forced him out into other areas that God desired for the church to go and for the message of Jesus to be shared in. So he's leading many people to faith in Jesus. God's using him powerfully to do that. But Philip, you've got to remember, he's no different than you or me. He's just an ordinary, average individual. But he can't keep from talking about Jesus. He can't keep from sharing about Jesus. He can't keep from showing people what God is capable of doing. See, this is how God works. He uses ordinary people to share his extraordinary love and his power in the world today. He reaches out through average, everyday people like you and me who can make Jesus known in the world today. I'm going to say that again because so often now we expect it to be done by someone else, by a professional. We all like professionals, right? Because they're the experts. And so we lean on them for things like to do brain surgery or to to clean our house or or things like that. Now, you could probably clean your house. You probably couldn't do brain surgery on yourself. But we need to be thinking about this like at the level of everyday chores, like taking out the trash. I'd love to have a professional come to my house and take out the trash, but it needs to be done and I do it. I don't have a professional come do that, nor clean my house. We've got to get out of this mindset that we always need an expert. We always need to go to someone else. Someone else will do that. As believers in Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, it is our job as normal, average, everyday Christians to share Christ in this world today. That is how the gospel goes from one person to another person to another person to another. It's not always done in these huge events. And this is a good example because Philip was kind of having a huge event in Samaria. And then God sort of plucked him out and sent him on a journey. He meets an Ethiopian. 
An Ethiopian who's on a spiritual journey. Another person who is seeking God. He's on this journey, literally, but also spiritually. The first thing that I want you to notice is that the Ethiopian was already traveling and already had gone to his destination, which is Jerusalem, and it was on his way home. So he's not on his way. He's actually on his way back on this journey. He was returning back to Ethiopia. This is, this is a journey that was maybe frustrating for him. He didn't actually find what he was looking for. Let's look at chapter 8, verse 27 and 28. It says, so Philip started out. So we're going to start here. We'll get back to what Philip did. But let's look at this man that he met. Philip started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. This is an important official who's in charge of all the treasury of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. This is a powerful man, an influential man, a man who could travel 1,500 miles to visit another city and come back. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot. He was reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. So let's just stop there. So we got to familiarize ourselves with who this man is. So he's he's high up in the government. He'd gone on a journey of 1,500 miles in a chariot, not on an airplane or a jet or a train or a bus, in a chariot. So it took a long time to get from where he was down in, in Africa up into the Middle East. Went to Jerusalem. He had enough money to buy a scroll because there were no books back then. The internet didn't exist. Sorry, kids. It didn't exist back then. They had to like write everything out on on a scroll. So he had enough money to purchase a scroll and to be on his way home reading it. And this is who Philip meets. He's a man of power, position, influence, wealth. Yet, despite all that, he was empty. He felt empty inside. Something wasn't settled. He needed to journey in his life. He needed to find something that he was looking for. You see, there's no amount of wealth, there's no amount of influence or position that can satisfy our hearts. This is proven over and over and over again in human history. To be the wealthiest person in the world and the most depressed and desperate person in the world at the same time. This man, in that emptiness, in that longing, was willing and prepared and did travel 1,500 miles to try to find fulfillment. He had heard about the one true God. Someone had brought that message. He had heard that there was a God who could satisfy every need that would fill every longing. And if he went to Jerusalem, maybe he could find this God. So he goes there to worship, it says. He goes there searching for truth, searching for hope, searching for fulfillment. But while he was there, I'm sure he observed it was like anywhere else. There was materialism. There was hypocrisy. There was intolerance. There was a deadness to the Judaism that was being practiced, the the keeping of the law, the Pharisees. It didn't fulfill him. He was leaving that place still empty, unfulfilled, and was now on his way back, no closer to salvation than when he left in the first place. 
But he had one thing in his hands, the word of God, the word of the prophet Isaiah on a scroll. And he was searching. He had opened it up. He was trying to find truth, but he didn't understand it. The passage goes on to tell us. The point is this. This man was already on a spiritual journey. He was ready to hear the good news. He had been prepared to hear the good news. There's a process. There's a journey that every one of us took that brought us to Christ. There was a hunger deep inside of us for the truth of God, to the, for the spirit of God. And Philip was going to be the one who brought about this encounter. See, every one of us here today, if you're a born-again Christian, you've been on the same spiritual journey. It may not have looked the same, but you didn't wake up one day being a believer in Jesus Christ. It just doesn't happen that way. Something was taking place in you, some kind of hunger, some kind of search, some kind of desire that you needed to find the truth about your spiritual life. It's a process and it's a journey. So that's one thing that we can take from this passage is that God uses different circumstances to reach different people, to move them closer to himself. The apostle Paul put it this way. I planted a seed, but Apollos, another believer, watered that seed, but it is God who made that seed grow. So we can plant seeds. We can water those seeds. But it is God who brings us on that spiritual journey and knows the day, the time, the moment that you're going to come to believe and put your faith fully in Jesus Christ. So there's an Ethiopian. He's on this spiritual journey. And God was already at work in his life. This is something you need to realize. God is always working whether you see it or not. His desire is to draw people to himself. And God was already at work in this man's life. He was already setting him up in a way to receive the truth. This brings us to the second point. God's already working, but Philip had to be sensitive to God's leading. Philip had to understand what God was doing. So go to verse um, 26. Because Philip is busy, he's preaching, it says, in all in the villages of, of Samaria, he's, he's doing the work of God, all kinds of amazing things are happening. But then it says, just suddenly, now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. We don't know what this angel looked like. We don't know if there was some physical manifestation in his appearance. Did he have wings? Did he, did he, did he float? You know, was he like ghost-like? You know, what, what was this angel like? There's no need for a description because we don't have one here. We don't know if it was just a person that came up to him and said, I have a message for you. Because scripture actually tells us that, that sometimes angels can appear in human form. And we can even entertain angels unaware, Scripture says. So they look like humans, right? They look like people. But they have a message from God, an important message from God. God doesn't send an angel just for fun, for kicks and giggles. God sends an angel because he has an important message to bring. So we also don't know if, if maybe somehow 
this was just Philip hearing an angel, not seeing one so much. Because there's no description here of what he saw. It's what he heard. And maybe he heard a voice inside of his head. Maybe it wasn't an audible voice that his ears picked up on, but he just had this prompting, this impression, this, this heavy message that came from God. We don't know, but we know that there was a prompting from God, a message from God. And so that makes me think that Philip's prayer life must have been so that he was sensitive to listen to God's voice. To not just pray, just say words, just be speaking to God all the time like a one-way street, but that he would actually listen when he prayed. Now, that might be a message for you today. Sometimes you, you pray, you say your prayers, and then you, you sort of hang up and walk away from, from the phone, right? He was like, God, God, you know, today, I have such a busy day. I got all this stuff going on. I need your help. I need your presence. I need your power. I need your work to, to be taking place. Okay, I got to go. Bye. Philip wasn't like that. Philip somehow, in the midst of his busyness, in the midst of his ministry, he was sensitive, sensitive enough spiritually to notice when God was speaking. Philip walks close enough to God that he recognizes God's voice and God's prompting, no matter where it came from. So this is another thing we can draw from this passage for ourselves. Are we sensitive to God's voice? Are we listening for God? Do we listen to God or do we just talk all the time to God? Because it's different. We need to talk to God and we need to be silent before God. We need to be silent when we read his word, as he speaks to us by his spirit. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So we should be somehow hearing his voice. Maybe you're hearing it right now, this morning. But we need to be hearing it so that we can obey him. Now, some people work in this world as Christians with this philosophy that everyone they meet needs to hear the gospel right now. This is the moment, right? That's how they set out. They're evangelists. And they're like everywhere they go, whether they're on a train, whether they're at work, whether they're walking down the street, they will talk to you about Jesus. God has given them. That's their gift. There is a gift of evangelism, right? Every conversation that they have turns to salvation. Thank God for these people. We need these type of people. We aren't all that type of people. But we all have a message to share. We're all called to be witnesses. Sometimes those people are so strong that they turn people away. People aren't ready for that message and they just argue and fight and they don't want to talk to that type of person. We need to be listeners as well as talkers. Scripture says we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. So as you listen and observe and you see the people around you in your life and you hear from them, what's going on in their heart. Then listen to the prompting of God. Then begin to speak into that situation. Spiritual eyes and ears to hear God is what we need. This is how we know that God is at work in people's life. When what we're experiencing with another person actually matches up with what they're experiencing on the inside on their spiritual journey and all of a sudden those pieces come together and ah the light comes on they understand so let's ask god to make us sensitive to his voice 
Now, before you think that I'm giving you an excuse not to evangelize, not to talk to everybody you meet, realize this. If you already haven't received any promptings to talk to people, it isn't that God isn't prompting you. Because God is searching, always searching for the lost sheep. He's always looking. It's not that he's not prompting you. It's that in your heart and in your mind, you may be distracted and not listening to those promptings. So we want to pray and ask God to keep us sensitive so that when he prompts us, when he gives us that message to go, we go. God is putting someone in front of you. It may be a friend. It may be a family member. It may be someone you work with. Someone you go to school with, God is putting someone in your life because God has made you his witness. You are there to witness. It may be one person, but that one person, their whole eternity has changed because you were faithful to witness. Now, aside from being sensitive to God's voice and in his promptings, Let's look at what Philip did once he heard this message. Once he heard this message, go south to the road, and it was very specific, the desert road, the one that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. He heard this message to go. Philip was obedient to the message. So often, we hear something from God, and then we want to test it. We want to say, well, ooh, I maybe should pray about that. I maybe ask the people in my prayer group to pray about that. We meet in a month. I maybe write that in my journal and go back and pray about that. Philip didn't do that. Philip was obedient. Philip was obedient. Look at verse 26. It says, you know, here's the directions. Go and do this. He gets this message. Verse 27. So he started out. He didn't stop and ask for prayer. He didn't stop and ask for directions. He started out. He went. He was sensitive to God's leading, and then he was obedient to do it. Philip, now let's think about Philip for a minute. Let's go back to what we already know from Acts chapter 8. Philip was a busy guy. Philip was ministering to villages all around Samaria. He was preaching. He was teaching. He was being faithful to be a witness. He wasn't laying around playing video games. Philip was not just hanging out doing nothing. Philip was a busy guy. Now, we've got to remember Jesus, right? Jesus' ministry, when Jesus in the Gospels was going from village to village, and he was healing, and he was setting people free, and he was showing them what the kingdom of God was like, there were times when Jesus would withdraw from that. He'd be in the midst of busy ministry, and it would be nighttime, and then he'd get up early in the morning, and he wouldn't continue ministry in that village. He'd he'd be found up in the mountains. Philip must have heard these stories because Philip didn't hesitate to leave busy ministry to go off to do this thing that he's, he's just told, go down to this road. He doesn't even get a reason why he should go down to that road. Now, we like to have reasons. We all love the question, well, why? So if an angel came to you tomorrow morning, early in the morning, and says, hey, I need you to go to South Main Street on the corner of where it meets Piedmont. And that was the whole message? You'd be like, and? 
Why am I going to South Main Street where it meets the corner of Piedmont? Why? Give me a reason. Philip doesn't do that. Philip gets the directions, go to that road, the one that goes down to Gaza. So he started out. That's the next message. Obedience. Obedience is so important. You hear from God and then you don't follow through. Oh, God, have mercy. That's me, right? I hear from God and then I wait. I want to be sure. Or I get distracted. Or I move over here and do something else. And I don't do that. God's got to work in all of us to make us more obedient because God has a message to share with the world. And he wants to share it through you and through me. And he's giving us promptings. He's giving us direction. And we're kind of saying, yeah, 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 I'll get to that. But I'm kind of busy. I'm busy over here doing this ministry. Look at the ministry I'm doing. We just read about it. You know, many people were being healed and people were being delivered. There was great joy in the city. He was like a rock star, right? Philip was just in the middle of all this ministry and he hears this voice. Go, go down there into the desert. Down there, down that road. Just go. He drops everything and goes. He has an obedient heart. He's sensitive to the spirit, to the voice of God, and he has an obedient heart. This is important. He didn't question. He didn't hesitate. He obeyed. And his obedience changed one man's life completely. And we think also the country where he was returning to. He was going to go now as a witness to Ethiopia. So he didn't just affect one person, although that would be enough, because with God, one is enough. When the angel said, go, Philip went. And Jesus said to his disciples, go, I'm sending you. And he said, go into the highways and into the byways and compel them to come in. You see, one little monosyllable, go, can make all the difference in someone's life. If God gives you a prompting to share his love, to share the message of Jesus with someone, to go and do it, you can make all the difference in one's, one, one's not life just here on earth, but one's eternity. This is the value of the gospel. It changes people's lives, and it changes not only their lives, but their families' lives, and their children's lives, and their grandchildren's lives, and it changes their country and their nation. It can change a whole world. This is what happens here in, in the Gospels. The believers, the early believers, kept sharing and sharing and sharing, and it says they turned the world upside down with their sharing. They made the church fruitful, alive, growing. It wasn't dying, shrinking, becoming nothing. It was expanding all over the globe. The final thing I want you to see in this example that Philip is, is that Philip's witness was based firmly in the scriptures. Now, this is important because we're a little shy about that. We're a little shy because in our culture, there's kind of like an anti-Christ kind of thing going on, right? Where you can talk about all kinds of stuff, all kinds of crazy stuff, and you can be all kinds of crazy. Just don't talk about Jesus and don't be bringing up the Bible verses. But you can do whatever you want other, other than that. You can, we'll give you a public platform. Except if 
you bring up the name of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God. Once you bring that up, oh, 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 you are not allowed to say that here. So we've heard that and we've heard rumor of that. But how many of you have actually experienced that? Just raise your hand. A couple of you. Okay. A couple of you. That means a whole bunch of us have never experienced that. We've never had someone shut us down. Or we've never opened our mouths to share. One or the other. God wants us to share. And he wants us to share based on scripture. Because, yeah, your, your own personal testimony is important. But, think about this for a minute. It's not about you. It's maybe about how Jesus has changed you. I took a course once in like how to share your faith, right? And they were talking about putting together your testimony and being able to share clearly with someone in a couple minutes what, what Jesus has done for you. What, Je- what the meaning of Jesus is. You know, that, that Jesus died for me on the cross and that type of thing. And they said, now listen, so many people when they go to share about Jesus talk about how bad they were. Oh, I was a bad guy. And they spend 20 minutes talking about their, their party in life and all the women they were with and all the drugs they did and all the and tattoos they got and all the whatever. They just talk, 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 talk about their sinful life. Then they say, then I met Jesus and now I'm here today. And there's like, that is not how you share your faith. You can say, I was a sinner. I got all kinds of garbage. You know, one day maybe you'll, I'll tell you about it. But I want you to know about Jesus. I want you to know what God's word says to us, promises us if we put our faith in Jesus. The focus is Jesus. And so when we go to share our faith, we got to remember that our faith needs to be based on scripture. Not just on my, you know, Reader's Digest version of my life, but, but on what God's word says, what God's word promises to those who believe. It says here in verse 35, Philip, beginning with the very passage of scripture, then he told the good news about Jesus. So he used scripture as like a platform because the man was already curious about scripture. The man was already asking him, what what does this mean? I don't understand it. And Philip was able to take that invitation and bring about a salvation for this man. In just a few short years, the church of Jesus Christ evangelized that whole area of the world. Disciples went and shared and shared and shared and shared so that the church could expand from a tiny little place, an upper room in Jerusalem, all the way to Rome, all the way to Greece, all the way down into into Africa, It just expanded. They had no television, no internet, no telephones. They didn't even have a a postal service that we would call a postal service that you could buy a stamp and send the message. But by person to person to person, sharing the biblical Jesus, the story of Jesus, the love of God, which was poured out for us. You see this power in the word of God. We can't, we can't, Water down the message of Jesus. If we water it down, it becomes weak. If we take out the main character and what he has done for us, it becomes weak. 
And we may say, oh, it sounds strange for people today to hear about someone dying on a cross. They still need to hear it. Because the word of God, Hebrews 4, 12 tells us, the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It can penetrate even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. That's bone and where the bones are all connected. It judges the attitudes of the heart. So the word of God is a weapon that God uses to cut through and to get to the heart and lives of men and women. People in, 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 in this period of time that we're sharing it, they were not doing it because it was easy. They were not doing it because it was popular. They were doing it because God had filled them with his spirit to be witnesses to the world. This is the same Holy Spirit that has filled you and me. That calls us to live lives of obedience, to live lives sensitive to the Spirit, hearing His voice, and to live lives that are biblically sound and true. You know, the most loving thing that we can do in this world, with all of its sadness and all of its chaos and all of its dysfunction, the most loving thing that we can do is share Christ with those who don't know Him. That's the bottom line. I want to say to you that, yes, God loves people. No matter who they are. No matter where they are. No matter what they've done. He loves them. He doesn't care about their background. He loves them. He loves people. And he called the church to step in and to be Jesus. To be his hands. To be his feet. To be his voice in the world today. If we shut it down because we're intimidated or we're fearful, God's message slows down, right? It doesn't, it doesn't move as quickly as it did, even with all our technology. So let's remember these things from this passage. Let's look, let's look at this list, there's four things that we've talked about. Let's look for those and be sensitive to those who are already on a spiritual journey. You'll hear it. It's, it's in their language. They talk about like, oh, I'm really searching or, oh, I'm really, I'm really wondering about this or, you know, I heard this. You know, they're, they're searching. They're trying to find something, right? And then we need to be sensitive to God's promptings. In that situation, what does God want you to say? When does he want you to interact with them and in what way? And when he gives you direction, even if you don't know how it's going to end up, Go. Be obedient to that monosyllable. Go. Don't wait. Don't wait for five signs to prove to you that this is the time. Because by the time you get those five signs, the person would have moved to Kansas. You know? I mean, it just, we're ridiculous sometimes. We're always wanting to put out a fleece like Gideon. Well, let me test that. You know, let me test that again, just in case. And God keeps saying, just go. Just open your mouth. Just speak. I'll give you the words. Just do it. Well, well, well wait. What if this is not? What, what, what? Just do it. Just do it. Just go. Just be obedient. And keep God's word in your heart, in your minds as you do it. You'll be amazed at how the Holy Spirit weaves his word into the conversation. This is not something you need to learn a trick to do or whatever. If you're listening to the Spirit, if you're reading God's word, if you're putting it in, it's going to come out. It's the fruit of God's word. It's going to come out of you. In that conversation. Do you believe it? All right.